Hello, and welcome to Listen to Your Heart, the podcast where we explore the clinical management of high-risk patients with established cardiovascular disease in the context of the latest Canadian Cardiovascular Society guidelines. I'm your host, Dr. George Thanasoulis, and with me on the program today is Dr. Priya Manju. Dr. Manju is an endocrinologist and certified specialist in both hypertension and obesity medicine at the Victoria Cardiometabolic <laughs> Collaborative Clinic and a clinical assistant professor in the Division of Endocrinology at the University of British Columbia's Faculty of Medicine. Welcome, Priya. Thank you for having me on your podcast, George. Uh, we're delighted to speak to you today about this very, very uh, interesting uh, population, which, um, as you know, is very close to, uh, to my heart, and I think yours as well, which is the patients with um, an elevation in a lipoprotein a little a. So Priya, perhaps you can let us know, um, how have these new uh, updated guidelines changed your practice in terms of lipid management for the patients who have uh, high LP little a level? So, uh, George, I, we've known that lipoprotein small a or LP little a, as we sometimes call it, is a very atherogenic particle. It's what I describe to patients as being the ugly cousin of bad cholesterol. Uh, we know that it's associated with a, it's independently associated above other factors with cardiovascular risk in a dose-dependent manner. And that risk starts to increase when that lipoprotein small a particle uh, concentration is greater than 50 milligrams per deciliter. And uh, we know that it's uh, increased in a dose-dependent manner. Uh, our guidelines have, uh, this is the first iteration of the guidelines that make the recommendation that this particle be checked once in a person's lifetime. It is very stable throughout their life. And so, you know, our guidelines have actually changed the, the coverage for, um, for testing for lipoprotein small a in some provinces, which, which is very impactful. I now can say to my patients that this is a well-recognized risk factor. And then we can talk about how it affects their cardiovascular risk. Certainly in the setting of secondary prevention, it's an additional indication to ensure that uh, their LDL is extremely well controlled and treated to that less than 1.8 um, threshold. Um, we, we also know that, that PCSK9 inhibitors are particularly effective in lowering cardiovascular risk in patients with this high LP little a. You know, still, we don't have the drugs that are available yet to lower LP little a, and it's an area of evolving evidence. So, you know, I'm hopeful that the, the, when the new guidelines come out, we have a lot more evidence to inform management, certainly in the, second, in the, in the primary uh, prevention cohort, but, but also in the secondary prevention cohort. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, these new guidelines have really been instrumental in, in improving awareness of um, high LP little a. Um, and, you know, as uh, you point out, this has made some, some changes, at least at the policy level. And, and I think that's really driven by the fact that, you know, we now recommend that everyone uh, have an LPA measurement at the time of their, of their you know, first uh, lipid profile. Uh, that includes um, LP uh, little a. And this, in this, as you point out, should only be done um, once in, in someone's lifetime um, because it really doesn't, doesn't change. So that's really been a major, major change. And I think it's important both in the, in the primary 
uh, and, and secondary uh, prevention population. So uh, perhaps uh, I can go into this, the, 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 the next part of this. You know, why do you think this patient uh, population with high LPA is, is at such high risk, especially in, in secondary prevention? And, and why are they uh, a, a specific target uh, for treatment intensification uh, with um, uh, you know different agents, but certainly with PCSK9 inhibitors. Yeah, so you know we know that it's an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease, but we haven't had many drugs that that lower it. In fact, um, uh, lowering LP little a is not known to lower your risk of cardiovascular disease. Uh, because I mean, we all suspect that it will, but until it's been demonstrated in a clinical trial, we, we, won't, we won't know. And um, certainly PCSK9 inhibitors uh, do lower LP little a by a small amount, and it's a very variable reduction. Uh, it, it can be 10 to 15%. But, um, but the, the key thing to remember is the target of therapy in this higher risk population remains the LDL cholesterol. So we can offset that increased risk by lowering the LDL cholesterol even further. You know, there's, we, we don't yet have the guidance on how best to manage these patients in the secondary or in, in, um, in primary or secondary prevention, but we know that if someone continues, if someone has had a vascular event and has a high LP little a, those patients benefited greater, those patients benefited from treatment with PCSK9 inhibitor therapy um, in the subgroup analysis. And, and you know, I, I always sort of put those two drugs, this, this particular particle and that particular drug together, because it's, it's the, the drug that will uh, lower LDL cholesterol um, much more. And that seems to be what's needed in this population. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I typically tell, you know, the patients that I see um, in, in, in my practice who have high LPA, you know, I explain to them that they have this, this additional source of atherogenic proteins um, that is genetic and, 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 and that, you know, 80% of the population doesn't have. So because of that mm -hmm. additional source of, of atherogenic lipoproteins, they really, really need to have um, their, their other um, atherogenic lipoproteins lowered even, even further. Um, and as you point out, um, you know, this is a, a, a group that really does need uh, intensive uh, therapy and you really want to drive uh, down the LDL cholesterol to less than 1.8 um, or um, the ApoB to less than, than 0.7 uh, because of this very, very high residual risk that's associated yeah. with the LPA um, particle. So uh, perhaps uh, just to, to finish off here, um, you know, what would you recommend to our listeners uh, as a, as a take-home message uh, for the management of patients with, with high um, LPA? So I think, uh, you know, the, the, the question is, is this primary prevention or is it secondary prevention? In primary prevention, I think it indicates that this patient has an additional risk factor that they have to be careful of. We can't lower it. We don't know how, but we can offset it. We can offset it by targeting the other cardiovascular risk factors, lowering their blood pressure, preventing diabetes, treating their LDLs to lower levels 
um, depending on what their baseline risk is. When we move into the secondary prevention population, again, at this point, the LDL remains our target. So, uh, but, but you know, I usually discuss it with the patient. Someone has had a vascular event. We know that this lipoprotein small a is worsens their prognosis. It, it can increase their chances of a future vascular event for a given LDL cholesterol compared with someone who doesn't have it. So there's some thoughts that maybe lowering the cholesterol further might offset that risk. Uh, but again, you know, the LDL remains the target. And, and as you mentioned before, consideration, uh, certainly in the secondary prevention group, you do want to treat these patients to definitively lower APOBs less than 0.8, sorry, less than 0.7, and non-HDLs to less than 2.4. But certainly in the primary uh, prevention population, I, I, you know, I, I talk to patients about it, and and I consider bumping them up a risk category. There's not a lot of evidence for that, but it's certainly a values and preferences uh, discussion. Some patients may say, "Look, I, I know I'm low risk. I have this. I'd like to be started on lipid lowering earlier. Um, I'm moderate risk." Uh, and my LDL is uh, below the threshold for intensification, but, you know, I have a bad family history and, and maybe for that patient, they want to be offered therapy. So, you know, we're waiting for more evidence to become available to us. We know it's a risk factor. And I think at this point, talking to your patients about it and, and considering their values and their preferences and how they want to proceed is really important. Yeah, I very much agree with 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 uh, your your approach there. You know, definitely in that primary prevention population, uh, perhaps a few more you know, question marks. Uh, but my my general approach is as yours is to is to try to be um, you know very aggressive with lifestyle measures and and maybe even with um, you know statin therapy. Uh, but certainly uh, in the secondary prevention, uh, this is a a must treat to a very low level uh, population, and that generally. Uh, means uh, getting them on a on a PCSK9 inhibitor um, if possible. Um, so you know, uh, thanks so much, uh, Priya, for for this uh, really nice discussion about this very very interesting uh, population patients who have this genetic dyslipidemia known as high LPA. I want to also thank all our listeners for tuning in to the Listen to Your Heart podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion uh, today and don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts and stay tuned for new releases. 